indecent exposure. You were convicted of indecent exposure for the third time. That's exactly what it is there, Poindexter. It is four counts of indecent exposure. It's Friday, and that means it's perfectly okay to be feeling a little indecent. In fact, as we release episode number 36 of Indecent Exposure, it's Friday, November 8th, 2019, which just happens to be the date of the album release party for Wes Buckley's Dancing the Bliss, happening tonight at the Liechtenstein Center for the Arts in Pittsfield, Mass. To our listeners globally, I can only let you know how sorry I am that you can't all be here in the Berkshires to attend what is going to be a hell of an event. But what I can do is try to pre-create it just a little bit, because also performing will be Erin Durant, who was kind enough to send along a couple of tracks from her 2019 release, Islands, for me to share with you. So between those tunes and two from Buckley's Dancing the Bliss, I think we've got ourselves a bit of a mini-concert right here. And of course... If you're local, this episode should be just the inspiration you need to click the link in the show notes to the event page and see if there just happen to be any tickets left, because you're definitely going to want to be there, if at all possible. For a taste of what I'm talking about, let's enjoy Durant's Rising Sun and Buckley's North Star back-to-back right here on Indecent Exposure. Thank you. 
Fire up the lighthouse too Sinking cisterns Highland lake beds Falling miles to the floor of the sea The anchor dropped years ago Now we'll pull it up An old sore tooth Yanked out from the line above you hear what I'm talking about already, right? Finding two artists to better complement each other on the same stage would be difficult. We'll be hearing more cuts off both albums later, but now let's hear from Wes Buckley himself and roll the lion's share of the conversation I was fortunate to have with Wes a couple of weeks ago at his home in Pittsfield. For starters, although he's picked up some of his musical toolbox outside the 413, he is a local boy. 
actually just up to my teenage I left when I was 18 and then I lived I was away for 13 years or so so most of my young adulthood and into adulthood was not around here I moved back here about six years ago and I lived in um, Burlington Vermont and that's where I had my real I had bands here and they were very important to me but that was where I had my real band experience like cult 60s like we lived together and practice every day and you know critiqued one another's eating habits and had pet rats and you know just built a, a, a room within a room in our basement that was like our little recording and rehearsing zone and um just everything was the the you know laser focus on on the group and that was a major learning you know time for me and just super fun and very close with all those guys still we get together annually we get together whenever we can but we also have an annual musical seance every year that we do um and then uh after that i lived in new york city and worked out of there as a guitar player and had a few different bands i played a lot with a guy named colin Langinus and uh, a lot of his groups and I had some of my own groups and my very good friend Ali Klein who was the drummer in, in Burlington he was from New York so he moved there and we continued in a few groups together and in New York is really where I met um, a lot of the people that I'm still in touch with and a lot of the community that I'm a part of today and that's one stream and the other was in Burlington I met this guy named Poncho the Kid and he and I are dear brothers and he's in Boston and so I have a whole family of people in Boston as well I'll be going out there the week after the record release show to play and then again in January and they are in a group called he's in a group called Old Wave and I play with them pretty much strictly when I'm out there and we play on one another's records and definitely part of my community from afar and then I lived in New York, so I have a lot of people, a lot of people there, and that also I ended up in a few different groups and touring around the country and stuff, and meeting some really amazing musicians. I told Wes that as I listened through "Dancing the Bliss," it seemed to me that I wasn't hearing a concept album exactly, but that the songs seemed to be connected in a really meaningful way. I definitely wasn't writing from a conceptual place, but once, but then uh, maybe I started uh, collecting once the songs were going mm. uh, from that, from an idea of like uh, how they could um, act together as a record. So. Um, yeah, if I was to talk about what the concept might be, um, well, one thread is that the the songs are um, all sort of vignettes or little snapshots of um, relationship between two two people or two parties, um, and the well, the topics range, but. Um, you know, the first song is mother-daughter, and then there, there's a couple of relationship songs. One is sort of teenage, and one is a little more mature. And then um, there's one a song about friends. There's a song about a listener and their radio. There's a song about two people, two dancers. Uh, and so there's a, all these kind of relationship songs, but not always your traditional kind of just classic uh, love song, per se. 
the lyrics to the songs are complex, and somehow they managed to have weight without having mass. I asked him if there was a particular approach to songwriting that he took with his latest release. I guess uh, I think usually what happens is a um, conflict catches my interest, and then I build backwards from, from the point of conflict. So I like whatever, whatever that issue is, it, it kind of holds my attention. As I think it does with most people, there's a. It's much more easier to, you know, feel pain or to be upset or all those. You know, it's a, that's why there's a whole industry of wellness and self-help and everything, because we have to teach ourselves and, and practice every day the opposite of that. And so I, I guess I'm just naturally like anybody else, drawn to some point where there's like, oh, that's that's tough, or uh, or that's uh, something to think about how you'd have to navigate, or you know, so. Yeah, I, I think with a story, that's kind of a basic, you know, method is what's your conflict, that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. but um, it, it, that being said, it, that's kind of a broad statement, but um, it is uh, also for me um, really important to have metaphors that uh, are part of a larger story of other stories I've read or that I think everybody knows or you know I'm trying to there's also lots of the metaphors are also wrapped up in illusions and so I'm trying to be a part of just acknowledge the larger conversation when it comes to storytelling and I don't know how well I'm doing that but in my head that's you know as I'm writing I get excited about the idea of like connecting whatever it happens to be being written to something else that I know that reminds me of this story so maybe I'll put a little little secret you know code of that in there one of the recurring moods even when the words don't necessarily demand it was a sense of of loss or or grief west said that emotions he's experienced over the last couple of years may have found their way into this album um yeah well first um i would just say that i um yeah i'm just trying to create a layered interesting world and i i don't mean to be like having it I just that's all I'm trying to do and and the other thing that you alluded to before is very much a part which is a kind of a dream that that dream element dream state and all anything dream related is a huge part of my approach and I think about that a lot I love that idea and um, so just answer to that and then as far as loss goes um, yeah I, I think that in some ways uh, you're very right. I um, the last these songs were written in the last couple years actually, and in that time, well, last year I lost uh, three grandmothers on one year, and so I think that there's definitely like I, I was thinking a lot about like not so much their death as just their experience and their life, their their again their relationships and their just kind of like imagining. Uh, for for one of them, I ended up going to their family uh, town there, for the first time, after, uh, and coincidentally, ended up being there the day that she passed away. It was very strange, and um, in her church, her childhood church, and all this stuff. So, out of respect, I guess from a personal level, they were in my mind, and I was thinking about that. Um, and then, just from an artistic place, I think uh, 
writing about death is, you know, one of the things that we do. It's kind of, it's a, it's a must, a must address. Um, but, um, this year was the, uh, 10th anniversary of the passing of my biological father. So I was thinking about that. Um, but, uh, yeah, there's been, I've, I've experienced, I don't know what my losso meter is compared to the next person, but I definitely, um, think about it and try and think about it in a, um, in a, as a process as opposed to a hang up or something, you know, a, a thing in motion. And so definitely the medium of songs is, so though it captures it on a record for as long as it's around, um, it also, um, is a way to move it and and especially as far as long as i'm around uh live when i'm playing it it's always changing and it's interacting with the people that are hearing it and so you know there's all these sort of continuation of lives that occur so it's at once a, a celebration and a preservation of whatever inspired me to write it and also um just a uh, method of processing so, and I think everyone has to do that. So hopefully it's something that people can relate to. You know? I asked whether songwriting and, and performing allow us an honesty with our emotions and reactions to events, even if they aren't a direct reflection of the real lives that we lead. And, and I wanted to know if by writing them, did they allow Buckley to release truths and sentiments that might otherwise stay locked up inside? Yeah, it's similar to what I was saying about the idea of loss. But yeah, there, there's a the action of finishing the song uh, is a certain kind of release to it, and and uh, but the only problem is that it change it's going to change. So I I it'd be hard pressed to find you a song that I wrote a couple few years ago where I can stand by the entire perspective, you know. <laughs> So they <laughs> they tend to sort of shift, um, and then maybe change. Maybe I could still stand by the words, but they would have you know a different meaning. And again, playing them live is uh, a way to precipitate that um, because you have to keep thinking about it because you keep singing it or keep performing it, and so you have to be like, well, what what did I really <laughs> what was I saying? We talked a little bit about how this album, Dancing the Bliss, features lyrics that are that are particularly accessible to the listener. Um, in contrast to some of the, the more cryptic work that he's dabbled with in the past, and yet in his role as a music educator with both youth and adults, his immersion in the experimental provides a starting point for some of his classes as he incorporates found items and a do-it-yourself approach to his educational programming. One of my great you know, loves is... Uh... In in mu regarding music is um, lots of different kinds of tunes that uh, you can barely get a gig playing. Just strange outsider stuff, I guess, or I don't know, depending on who you who you are. But you know, not not really popular music. And um, a kind of epiphany I've had in the last couple of years is um, having having an outlet for that through education. So. Um, a lot of that music is based in improvisation or is based in uh, a lot of homemade DIY gear or anything like that. And um, 
so I've been doing a lot of programming involving making instruments using found items or household items and learning shortcuts that I can teach very quickly as to how to have an entry point into improvising without having much musical skill and really trying to find because a lot of the the music that I'm into it doesn't really take musical prowess per se um, it takes like practice and it takes like uh, listening skills and communication skills and stuff but you don't need to be able to whip through you know a phrygian scale or something like that so um that was kind of like a light bulb i was like oh so it's it's a it's a entry point where music is not this um highfalutin thing and it could be more akin to how it seemed like people were when it came to maybe art or when it came to dance, there was much more like, oh, I can do that. I can move or I, I can draw something, you know. But with music, it was like, oh, I suck or I don't know how to do it or something. And so it, I realized that through some of this newer music, like more droney or noisy or music or even some... Once you get into far out, like free jazz, that takes immense skill. But people hear it first as noise before they realize how insanely technical it, it is, really. And so I kind of just because I love it, lump that in there and uh, have been, yeah, doing little exercises with people that, you know, where you just pick, just pick two notes or just pick five, you pick five notes and you pick this many notes. All right, now we're going to go, you know, it's, it's a little more complicated that, but just the idea of like a very small kernel. And if you have a group of people each doing their little kernel, then it pops. Dancing to Bliss may surprise some longtime fans as a slight departure from some of the timely and topical social commentary that earlier efforts have included. Buckley says that the focus on more intimate personal vignettes just sort of happened organically. It just happened to be a record that didn't lean so heavily on that. I feel like a lot of people are right now, and that's great. Um, and these songs, um, a lot of them are from... Um, they're older. They're, they're, some of them are from before um, the election, or right around there. Some I don't know, something like that. And so before shit got really weird. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's especially in the past you know year that it's gotten really weird. And but um, no, I'm come from. Um, I would say the majority. I would say about fifty percent of my songs are pretty heavily uh, satirical and direct, kind of topical political stuff. The next record that I'm, I have like thirty songs for right now is has probably um, at least half of them that are that are. There's a song uh, I was going to leave the house today is kind of a comment on um, on politics and technology. There's a song I have um, that I wrote. Um, called Crystal Lee about the woman that was murdered in Adams last year, the transgender person. And then there's a song about the president um, crapping on uh, John Lewis, who's a national hero. And uh, so that's a song that I've been playing some of these live, but I haven't recorded them yet. Um, so yeah, it's extra, It's an anomaly that this uh, recording has so little, actually. So I, I, usually, I usually do that. But um, yeah, just kind of the way it worked out. We um, the record was produced by Johnny Irian, and uh, we made it at the uh, Stationery Factory in Dalton. Johnny set up a studio up there, Honor Roll Studios. He's been doing shows up there, and that's uh, Steve Sears' place. And he was he's just been so gracious throughout this whole thing. And so it wasn't like a you know Johnny and and 
his wife Sarah Lee, they're very much a part of like that world of singing folk songs and truth to power and but so it wasn't like we got together and decided not to it was just the way we chose the tunes and how we started working on them it was more like just two guys hanging out trying to make the best tunes we could and from the collection that's pretty much what I offered him I didn't I didn't bring a lot of the other a lot of the other ones in um and by the time we were done with it that's that's what it looked like but yeah I plan for the next one to be more of a force in that regard because it has been a while and I'm itching to get some it's it, I, the response I get when I play those songs live is is uh, immediate and strong and exciting and so I do look forward to recording them Working with the producers so closely was new for Wes as he camped out with Johnny Iron at the Honor Roll studio in Dalton, Massachusetts and it sounds like he likes the results I was very excited to, because I've written so many songs and made so many just, you know, home recordings and so many of my own records. And then also I work a lot with this guy, Eli Winograd at Lone Pine. And, um, but he's worked more as an engineer and he's definitely mixed a lot of the records. So definitely a voice in the recording. But Johnny and I, it was, it was my first time yeah, I want a producer, I want somebody to tear this song apart and rebuild it back together and add this chord and take away that entire thing. And, do, you know, so we really, with a few of the songs, we really did that. And that was really exciting and very much changed this, you know, like you can hear it in the sound. And I think that's cool because um, it was a new experience, number one, and also because um, it was with Johnny. And I think that his... Influence combined with my stuff, uh, just uh, it's just a cool sound. I dig it. Yeah. It's it's much more. It's a lot tighter. A lot of the songs were much more psychedelic and kind of far out. And he really like gemmed them up, you know, polished yeah. them up. And it, it's cool to hear him like that and to have his uh, experience married with the with the record. Yeah. Knowing that Wes will turn his attention to issues of broad social import with his next album, I wanted to know what fortifies him and gives him optimism, but what also terrifies him about the future. Things that give me optimism are um, family, fr friends, community, you know, like s jobs well done around here where people are advancing um, in the world of human rights and social work and stuff like that and being able to be a part of that in some way is optimistic and a necessity and I should do it more and um, I think that uh, history can be optimistic depending on how you read it and your sources um, and I think that um, um, astronomy can be optimistic uh, keeping in context the, uh, the the working title for the next record is um, is uh, matters slash antimatters and I really like the idea of you having you know continually reminding yourself of the macro uh, perspective that we're in the middle of nowhere on a rock floating with a finite amount of time before it doesn't exist anymore. Somehow, for some people that scares them. For me, that kind of is a comforting thought. Um, and um, things that terrify me are definitely um, 
ticks and uh, natural disasters and um, nuclear weapons and all the big ones, you know. Um, like, I shudder to think of storms or something leveling the cities that I'm more familiar with, like New York or Boston, where I have so many loved ones, just on a, you know, personal, selfish level. Um, those ones come to mind, but because uh, I could really, I would really understand it. You know, it's almost hard to fathom when it's in these other places, even though we have empathy. And so, um, I guess when I have my just, you know, uncontrollable worst case scenario fears, I, those are the places that I happen to put in my mind. But um, and then things that piss me off is um, a lot. Most things piss. I think I spent a lot of time just de-pissing off and it's in the hope of not being too pissed off about all the stuff going on because it seems like so much of it we just move so slowly and weirdly as this big mass and it's so difficult to get people to uh to do a simple thing that if everyone did could be changing things so fast but that's never happened it does it just doesn't mean really... like getting people off their ass to <clears throat> to make change in policy like the stuff that, yeah, yeah to leave the house yeah um and uh yeah so i don't know i i can i'm not i don't know how good i am at pinpointing my complaints but um there's definitely a certain part of me that's uh having difficulty processing everything it's just so overwhelming and if i, I really like to uh engage and you know call from as many news sources as possible and just be as informed as I possibly can. But man, it's, it's really overwhelming. Well, Wes Buckley is truly a deep thinker whose musings and observations make their way into his songwriting with results that are as original as they are delectable. And if you need any further convincing that tonight's album release party is the place to be, let's have another short set to give you a sample of what you'll hear. The song Take a Load Off from Aaron Durant's release Islands uh, is on deck, but first a mistletoe or two from Buckley's Dancing the Bliss. Start smiling 
Hello, good people of the world. This is Fantastic Negrito. There's only one Fantastic Negrito in the world, and he's on Indecent Exposure. Underground, all those days spent underground, where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round, 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 where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round. You'll lose your eyes, you'll drop them on the ground, then burn them shut when you come up from your deep down. You'll spin sweet lies just to hear the sound. And toss one back and laugh and laugh and dance and spin around All that time underground All those days spent underground Where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round Round, round, where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round Flat on your back is where you'll spend most of your time Staring at the sky and straightening your spine Flat on my back is where I do my work best Placing bets and acing tests and faking all the rest All that time underground All those days spent underground Where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round Round, round Where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round Your skin will start to crawl, leaving the rest of you behind to scratch at phantom fleas that make you bleed for neglecting your old contract which stipulates that you must play and run and sing and dance each day and live your dream at one high scream that rings and rings away. All that time underground, all those days spent underground, where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round, round, round. All that time underground, all those days spent underground, where the width of the walls goes on the whole world round, 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 round. Capping off that set was The Basement by the Cat Fox off Thank You, I Love You, I'm Sorry. Cat Fox is the demon of glam camp, rock erotics, and sorceress of the high literature New Carney post-life song spells. And I will sneak tracks from the Cat Fox into just about any episode I can. 
despite the fact that I have no idea if this Northampton, Mass, Brooklyn, New York-based artist has any plans for another album. We just keep hoping. We also keep hoping that our luck holds out as far as hitting the 60-minute mark with these episodes. I'd like to be able to hit it right on the money three times in a row. Just because. And we might this time, since you're not going to be hearing me flap my gums for the rest of the show. I have a big block of four new tunes, some of them brand new, that go together so well I just cannot bring myself to interrupt. So let's hear from Scream and Deal with The Solution to All Contradictions off their latest Big Deal. And it's a huge album, so we're going to be hearing a lot more from them. I will also hear the Adam Ezra Group off And Life of a Thief off the recent release, Hurricane Wind. Also, Second Wind, with the title track from their 2019 Apathy. And we'll get it started with the song Royal Bones, off Memento, from Burn Holiday, right now on Indecent Exposure.
got a snake skin jacket with a chain on my chest. Got the tat brown leather with the bulletproof vest. Got the back door hustle with the card on my sleeve. If you're looking for a crime and you're looking for me, so come on. Blaze through Reno, toss a bag on a drop. At the end, on Rhino, looking out for the cops. Got the black bag waiting, pick it up at the well. Hit the asphalt, running like a bat out of hell. I got four to three hand dogs holding my trail. On the rail, it's a prime time play, and you better believe it's a damn fine day in the life of the thief. Hey, hey, come, come on, get me, I'll be gone, gone. Pull it back at your tail behind and build my caps. Hey, hey, come, come on, get me, I'll be gone, gone. Pull it back at your tail behind and build my caps.
brothers and sisters. Remember to check the show notes at greylockglass.com for information about all these artists. And, as we mentioned, a link to Wes Buckley's album release party, Celebrating Dancing the Bliss. I've been your host, The Mongrel, and until next time, make sure you get a little indecent with someone you love. Or at least obsess over in unhealthy and unnatural ways. Over and out. 